Hey everybody, it's Chris here, the Casual Flipper, welcoming you to another episode of the Casual Flipper Podcast. Today is a very special episode because we have the reselling teacher on the line. He's a former high school teacher turned reseller, and we're going to dive into Q&A with him and kind of get his uh, origin story. So guys, welcome back. I appreciate you joining into this episode of the podcast. Today I have Eric, the reselling teacher. Um, how are you doing, Eric? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, not a problem at all. Why don't we just start off for the listeners who don't know who you are, maybe to kind of dive into a little bit about your origin story and what got you here. Sure. So I was a uh, the reselling teacher on Instagram. Uh, I was a high school teacher for uh, 20 years, and during that 20-year uh, time period, I dabbled and I always kind of had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I owned a deck power washing and reselling, a resealing business. I owned a t-shirt business, vinyl banners and signs. Um, trying to think what else, uh, web design and uh, web design firm. And uh, so I always kind of had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. And then I would say about three years ago, uh, someone posted a video on Facebook and it kind of introduced me to the world of reselling. And so I kind of started digging and following the YouTube rabbit hole and was just blown away by the fact that so much of what's done on Amazon is third-party sellers. I had no clue, like most people don't. And so I started kind of dabbling and putzing around and downloaded some apps and scanned some books. And um, I bought a book at Goodwill for like a buck that sold for 60 bucks. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was like, it literally was like taking a needle in my veins. It was like, I was just hooked. So I kind of dabbled. Uh, or just kind of did it part time uh, for about a year, and I, I had been thinking about second half of life stuff. I'd done, you know, I taught for 20 years, and um, it was I was at a career. It was like, okay, early 40s. What am I going to do in the second half of my life? You know, and so I just jumped in um, head first into reselling. So I left teaching in um, July of. I finished the school year of like 2018, so like June of 2018, and then I've just been full-time reselling ever since. So 99% of what I do is Amazon. Uh, I'll dabble in some eBay and some Mercari, just to really just move the stuff that I can't move on Amazon. But uh, yeah, so we've got a small, I'm in Michigan, we've got a small, small warehouse that we just um, buy stuff, we send it into Amazon and make money. You went from being a teacher to a reseller so that must have been a big transition did did you get much judgment on that because i can imagine people would think you're you're crazy for making that move yeah you know a lot of people are like well the you know michigan teachers get paid pretty well and the benefits are good uh, but i think most people understood t teaching is a really really tough profession right especially right now yeah. it's just it's it's just there's so much bureaucracy and stuff and so most of the people I talk to are like, yeah, we get it. Like gotcha. you, you spent 20 years in that <laughs> profession. Most people are ready. Like, all right, let's try something different. Now. So I, I got a lot of questions, curiosity, but most, honestly, most of it has been, um, I don't know what the right, it's almost like I've given other people courage okay. to like, to acknowledge, like, dude, I want to do something else too. Yeah. I've just, I haven't been able to take the risk or, you know, maybe my job pays too well. And I can't. So I, it was, it's been mostly positive. Oh, that's good to hear. So it's like you get a good yeah. circle there. Uh, yeah. So you said you're in a warehouse. So what exactly happens there? So basically I was working out of my garage um, 
and it just outgrew space. And in Michigan, it's cold in the winter, so you know I'm in the in the garage freezing. And we're in an area where uh, economically it got hit pretty hard, and so real estate around here is dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to find a what used to be a retail store that um, just sat empty for quite some time and went to the people that owned it and said, hey, you know, I want to rent some of it. And the price was great. So, yeah, we've just got a small right now. We're in about I think it's about twelve or thirteen hundred square feet. And in January, we're moving into a space that's about three times the size. So, OK, so you store your items there, I assume. No, we just prop. Well, basically, uh, I use Amazon's Fulfilled by Amazon or FBA program. So basically everything goes to Amazon. Um, the only thing we really store are supplies. Um, some things that uh, we sell on eBay, we'll store those. But for the most part, your inventory comes in, it gets processed, and then it gets shipped out and gets shipped to an Amazon fulfillment center. Right. So most of what's in here is just stuff that needs to be processed. Okay. A lot of times when we get returns, let's say somebody, a customer bought a, um, um, you know, something that's uh, you can't resell as new. They opened it, they used it. So we'll list those things on eBay and, you know, store those there. But uh, yeah, most it's just the space that we need for getting big boxes and pallets in and, break them down and ship them off to Amazon. So you're getting like pallets of stuff. And so that was the motivator for you to get, because some people at home probably listening are thinking, geez, do I need to get a warehouse to, to start? So, yeah. And, and we, so in figuring out what I wanted to do with this business, I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. At one point I thought I want to do like bulk media books and CDs and DVDs. And so um, that's why we needed space for uh, pallets. So, um, and we may, we may break the business up into kind of two parts, like the new online arbitrage wholesale model. And then another spot where we've got employees just processing Gaylords of, of bulk books and right. used them. Yeah. So that the space move is, uh, the, the move to the larger space is it's solving a future problem. It's, we don't really have the problem right now, gotcha. but, but we anticipate that it could be a problem, so we're going to jump on it. You're, now. Ahead. You're ahead of the curve. Uh, yeah. So I did discover your online arbitrage group, so maybe just dive into that a bit, exactly what that is and how you sign up for it and what the benefit of it is. Sure. So, and I don't know, um, you know, what background your listeners have, but basically, when you sell on Amazon, there's there's kind of four primary ways that you can sell on Amazon. One is um, is wholesale, where you have partnerships with brands and distributors and manufacturers and you basically buy their products and you just sell them on Amazon. The other one is private label, which is where you basically find a product that already exists and maybe it's like a book light or something. I'm looking at some book lights. And so you find a a company in China to manufacture book lights for you and you put your branding on it, you know, your packaging and you kind of sell. That's called private label. And then the, the one that most people get into is a a retail arbitrage and online arbitrage. So the word arbitrage just means buy low and sell high. So um, basically retail is you're walking into stores like Walmart, Target, Kohl's, Walgreens, you know, department stores, you're finding products that you can buy at 10 bucks and maybe they're selling for 25 or 30 on Amazon. And so you buy here, you flip there. So online arbitrage is basically doing the same thing, but you're buying from websites. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, Target.com has a product on sale for $19.99 today. That product sells for $49.99, so you buy it, you flip it on Amazon. So one of the business parts of the business that I do is is uh, there's software out there that helps you find those online arbitrage leads or those products. And so oftentimes you don't have enough cash to buy everything that's um, you know everything that's available, everything you could flip on a, on any given day. And so I have a group that's a subscription-based group where people basically what I do is I I have employees that help me compile the lists, and then we give those lists of products to the people that subscribe to the to the leads. And so they get a list of like 25 products every day that they, that they can go online and order, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's that's one of the things we do. And how has yeah. how has the feedback been on that, or is it working? Obviously, it seems it's like really, it is. Really, it's the we keep the price pretty low. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, 69 bucks a month and you get about 500 leads a month. And so it's really, really hard not to, yeah. it's really hard not to make money. Um, so that, yeah, the feedback has been, has been positive. The only downside, I guess, is if you're a brand new seller on Amazon, you know, you're pretty restricted yeah. when you first start selling. Yeah. And so, you know, you'll, you'll find a product on the list and you're like, Oh man, this thing makes, you know, 70% return and, and it sells a thousand times a month. This is going to be a great product. You're like, oh, I'm just yeah. selling it. So what can you do about um, that? It, it, is that just over time you get opened up? Yeah. Over time, the, uh, what happens is Amazon gets a ton of scammers and a ton of Chinese companies coming in and just really trying to make a quick, you know, manipulate the system, sell counterfeit products and, and so Amazon basically says, like, when you sign up to be a new seller, they put you in a really, really small, I, I use it like playground, like a sandbox. They're like, okay, you can play here. Books, used media, used products, some brands, but you got to play nicely here. And then if you do, then we'll let you okay. sell other stuff. And so general rule of thumb is about seven months to a year. And once you've sold maybe a couple thousand units on Amazon, they start to like, okay, okay yeah. now we're going to start letting you sell, you know, different brands like Disney or Matchbox mm. or, you know, like you, you, you start to get approvals to sell that other stuff. Yeah. Um, but you can, you can speed that up too by if you make purchases from um, recognized distributors. Okay. So, so for like, so let's say um, a toy like um, Mattel, well, if you buy your inventory from a distributor that Amazon recognizes as a, as a legitimate Mattel distributor, you can submit your invoices and then Amazon will give you approval. They're like, okay, you're getting your inventory from someone we recognize. Even though you're in this small sandbox, we know you're getting your inventory from a legit source. We're going to let you sell Mattel. Okay. And then once you have that opening, you don't necessarily have to keep buying from that same distributor. Right. Oh, okay. You you're open. Then go to Walmart. Yeah, once you're open to Mattel, then you can go to Walmart, Target, wherever, and anything that's got the Mattel logo on it, you can sell now. So a lot of times um, getting ungated, you'll see it called, or unrestricted. Once you're kind of open, Amazon's like, okay, you're good to go. So. so one kind of phenomenon I've been seeing people posting about, and it actually happened to me, is you go to sell an item, and it looks like you're good to go. But the ones that arrive there, all of a sudden you can't sell it. And one of them, and actually I've seen you make a post about it, was that toy, that the Fuggler, I think it's called. 
like that that okay. that toy with the teeth myths and yeah. So I found one because like my girlfriend works at a store where there's just kind of toys. I picked one up, I sent it in, and I saw your post about it as well. I'm like, oh, this is a good item. But then when it when I it it was not gated, like it didn't say anything. But once it got there, it actually said you're gated on this, you can't sell. And I was wondering, is it the season that we're in, or is it just like a glitch, or, or what's your thoughts on that? The, the biggest thing, what I think it is, is so in the Amazon selling app. Um, Let's say that you you were uh, you were at Best Buy and you scan an Apple laptop. It's gonna immediately say requires approval or restricted, right? I mean, it's very clear that it's restricted. What it, what happens a lot of times to sellers is, let's say that you scan a product that you are restricted from selling it new, but you're not restricted from selling it used. So what happens in that case when you scan it, you don't get that restricted bar across the product. It's a small little message underneath the picture that says, um, I can't remember the way they worded it, but it's basically like you can't sell this in new condition. And so I think what happens is a lot of scan, uh, sellers scan. They're looking for that big block that says restricted. They don't see it. Yeah. And they're like, sweet. They throw it in their cart. In reality, they are restricted from selling it new. They're just not restricted from selling it used. And so that... I, to me, it's a, I don't know if it's a flaw in the Amazon selling app. Uh, it's definitely something that has burned. It's burned me. It's yeah. burned a lot of sellers. So. Something to be aware of. Uh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes what people don't realize is, is uh, I don't know if it's encouraged or discouraged or not, but sometimes you can sell you new items and you can list it on Amazon as used like new. Um, I've done that before where basically you list it used like new and then the description you just indicate, you know, factory sealed, just like just like you'd find it in the, um, you know, on the shelf of your favorite store. And then, oftentimes, if you drop the price by a few bucks, you know, people will look at it and go, "Hey, this thing's brand new, and I can get it for you know, two, three, four dollars less." So you can you can bypass it, um, but uh, yeah. So I don't think this time of year Amazon does put some restrictions on toys, but I think they start throttling that back in like sometime in October where it's like basically if you haven't sold X number of toys up to this point, we're going to cut you off until after Christmas. And so have you listed a lot of books yet? When I first started, um, that's what I primarily did was books. And then I kind of transitioned, transitioned out of books. Um, and so we're actually thinking about because we'll have the space setting up, a bulk book gotcha. processing center and do the other stuff that we do too. So I, I did a lot of books in the past. It's a great place to start for anybody that's looking to get an Amazon because they're so inexpensive. Uh, you, any, everyone can sell used books on Amazon. When you first start, you can find them everywhere. Uh, it's definitely a great place to start. And when you were doing that, were you taking pictures of them all? And also, uh, was there any description that you're putting in there that you found worked well for you? Because I've been putting in shipped and fulfilled by Amazon Canada, just in hopes that it has some legit legitimacy to it. Is there anything like that you were doing that you found that worked? I never. The only I very rarely took pictures. Um, the only time I would take a picture is if for some reason there was some clearly distinguishable thing I didn't want. You know, I wanted the customer to see, like, hey, before you buy this, there's a you know stain on the book, there's a wrinkle, you know. But for the most part, I would. I would always rate my books so that the customer 
was surprised or like cut like you know if it was really good maybe i would say it was good if it was like new maybe it was very good i never wanted the customer i never wanted to say like this book is like new and the customer get in there and be like this isn't like new like you know this is okay the whole like under so promise over deliver kind uh, of under promise over deliver exactly and then the description um if there was any any if there were any um uh condition notes that i wanted to make them aware maybe there was a small stain there was a, a water cover maybe there was a lot of highlighting you know i would i would say like you know uh, highlighting um throughout the majority of the book and then i would always try to end it with kind of what you described there is kind of a positive um i would say something like uh, fulfilled by amazon shipped shipped and um, fulfilled by amazon letting people know that uh, it's it's going to come from amazon not just some you know random guy and um you know, you might say eligible for prime shipping or something like that, because if you're sending it in FBA, then it's eligible for prime shipping. They can get it in two days, I don't, at least in the U.S. You can get it in two days. So, but yeah, I was I was trying to if it, if there's something negative, a lot of writing, a lot of highlighting, creases, pages are wrinkled. And I, the other thing I would do too that I had some success with is I would kind of have fun with certain books. So like with textbooks, I remember what it was like to be a college student. I, you know, I just needed the words. I didn't really necessarily care. I was looking for the deepest book. And so if I had a textbook that was like really beaten up, you know, I might say something like, uh, this book looks like it's, uh, been passed around, um, and had too much, spent too much time at frat parties, okay, <laughs> really rough, but if you're a, a student on a budget, this is the book for you. Gotcha. Smart. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. just kind of fun. Um, letting people know, like, dude, this, this don't expect much when you get this yeah. book. Um, so. so books that you found that had like highlighted markings or whatever, did you keep those if, if the certain profit in it or you didn't care? Uh, textbooks for sure. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's always, there's always a kid looking yeah. for True. the lowest price. Like the professor says, this is a book you have to have. I just need the pages and the words. Gotcha. So. Okay. No, that makes sense. Okay. Sure. So I guess kind of just shifting from that a little bit, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far from your failures or just things that you've learned? I, I would say um, the biggest lessons, um, you're going to make mistakes. Like it, like I used to get really bummed out when you would, you would buy something, you'd get excited and then you go to list it and you're restricted <laughs> yeah. List it, and the prices, you know, cut in half somebody dumped the you know like tanked the price and so i used to get really frustrated with that and so for some reason i just kind of switched my mindset to like like these are lessons like every mistake i make like mental note don't ever do that again you know don't do that again and, and you still get burned i got burned recently where i bought something and i checked the expiration date on a couple of them and i just made the assumption that the whole batch was good and so i spent like 500 bucks on these vitamin supplements that i found um and i go to list them and i bought them out of state and i go to list them and literally i, I must have checked the only two that weren't <laughs> oh no so, you know, it's like i just kind of sit there and like all right frustrating yeah i look at it as I, I i tell myself that i'm paying tuition to you know Amazon University and I just had to make a tuition payment you know like certain tuition payments are more expensive than others 
So I look at mistakes as learning opportunities is a big lesson that I've learned. Um, probably the hardest lesson I learned was to be really, really picky about what you buy, you know, because when you walk in, let's say you're doing retail arbitrage and you walk into a Walmart and you scan something and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make, you know, $6 profit on this. Well, that sounds great. But if it's clearanced at one Walmart, there are 5,000 Walmarts across the country and there are hundreds and thousands of people doing what we're doing. So that product, probably before you get home, process it, get it shipped in, the price on that is probably going to drop. You know, it's probably going to plummet. So I've gotten more and more picky over the three years that I've been doing this to really do good research on products that have a stable, stable price history and show a history of consistent sales. Um, so that's, those are probably the two biggest lessons that I've learned the hard way for sure. Okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense because that is something that most people are doing. And that exact tip has actually saved me a few times. So that is a, a key one. Um, sure. One one question that I actually had is if, if I wanted to sign up or if anyone listening wants to sign up to your online arbitrage uh, list, how would they go about doing that? So the easiest way is, so I'm on Instagram as uh, the reselling teacher, just T-H-E-R-E-S-E-L-L-I-N-G teacher, you know, and in the bio, there's a, what they call it, a link tree, which is basically just, you know, five or six links. So in that link tree, there's a, there's a sample list. So you can kind of see like, this is what these online arbitrage lists look like. And then there's a link to sign up. So and I just, I use Gumroad. Gumroad is just a digital file sharing platform. And so basically just sign up on Gumroad. And then uh, every every morning around 7 a.m. Eastern time, we upload the list and people can just download them from there. Okay. So yeah, if you can send me that link in the chat here, sure. I'll put it in the show notes. So anyone that's listening, head to the show notes and you'll see that link there if you're interested in that. Because it sounds like it could be very profitable. And what's 69 bucks a month and you get 500 different yep. different items? Yeah, you get 25 leads, uh, 25 leads a day. Five. So you know, if you break it down from a cost standpoint, it's like I can't remember what it is. It's like 10 cents a lead or. 11, 12 cents a lead or something. And um, yeah, basically you're going to get 25 products every day. Uh, I'll pull up an example just to kind of, so people can kind of understand what one looks like. So this was uh, a couple days ago. So a couple days ago, you could go to Kohl's.com and buy the Marvel Avengers Titan Heroes action figure. And you could buy that for $47.99. Well, that product on Amazon was still selling for ninety five twenty two, which is after FBA fees was gives you a profit of twenty one dollars and seventy five cents with a forty five percent ROI. So then you would kind of do some research and kind of see if the product fits your buying criteria. You know, does it meet your minimum ROI? Does it meet your um, um, volume? You know, it looks like it sells about. 12 to 15 times a month. So, you know, that's another thing that I had to learn the hard way is figuring out what really coming up with a criteria. Cause a lot of times I would just, I would just make emotional decisions and I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to make $22, 40% ROI add to cart, you know, and then every dollar I spend has, 
you know, it's, it's another opportunity cost. I'm, you know, I'm giving up opportunity to buy other stuff. So that's another thing I would say too, is over time, especially early on when you don't have a lot of cash to invest in the business, really start to, um, really capitalize on those dollars that you spend. If you've got a thousand dollars to invest in this business, really, really be picky about what you're going to spend on those, you know, those thousand dollars on. And do you find with the online arbitrage, you, you avoid for the most part that, that clearance syndrome where, you know, uh, the price gets dropped down? Yeah, because a lot of times, um, I would say the number of people that do online arbitrage, there's still a lot of people, but it's not as high as, as retail arbitrage. And oftentimes on these sales, maybe it's a weekend sale, maybe it's a Labor Day sale, maybe it's a it's short term, you know, some kind of promotion. Yeah, exactly. A day or two later, you know, that sale comes off and it's regular price. Well, Walmart, those products are sitting there all over the country, until they're gone. you know, until they're gone. So, yeah, um, I, I think um, you find less of the price tanking with the online arbitrage, but it's still there that you still have to be careful, yep. be picky with what you buy, but it's, I think it's a little less on with online arbitrage. Cool. Right on. Okay. So shifting to the final thing here, this is very, very off topic, but um, this is a final thing. What are you big on right now in terms of a favorite song, a show, podcast, movie, something completely random? What are you into right now? Um, I'm about three, four years behind, but I've, finally got into parks and rec okay yeah um, no i love that yeah about i don't know six months ago i don't know why i waited so long but uh i'm almost done with parks and rec it's a blast um lately i've been into comedians like sitting out on netflix and just watching uh uh comedians uh really like a comedian uh named nate Bargetz. he's a guy from tennessee just kind of has his deadpan humor uh, it's a lot of fun um personally i've uh Reading things, um, uh, I've really been into like uh, recognizing the way that the brain and the ego kind of trap us into familiar thought patterns and, you know, like just kind of going through life, like just making all these unconscious decisions and just kind of reading stuff and recognizing like, holy cow, like most of the people walk around this globe just programmed with software we were given as children and we're just doing what we're told, get a job, you know, do these things, believe these things and reading stuff that's helping me realize like, well, we can kind of wake up and kind of step back and look at that stuff objectively and make some changes. So, so that's kind of where I'm at uh, personally. So no, that's good. Well, Hey, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so, so much. And uh, hopefully this, this podcast has a lot of value and I hope uh, you got out, something out of it as well. Yeah, and one of the things too, if um, if you're if you're you or uh, your listeners are on Instagram, yep. um, the reselling teacher, and, and and when I left education, like I still enjoy teaching, I still enjoy helping. So anybody that wants to get started has any questions, like I don't charge for my time. Um, I just I still have a, the heart of a teacher. I just don't have a heart for teaching public education. <laughs> gotcha. So now my, I've transitioned to just kind of helping other people figure out. You know, that want to get into this, um, avoid the stumbling blocks that I, you know, have made. And so, if anybody's got any questions, uh, yeah, absolutely, shoot me a message. I'd be glad to, cool, glad to help you. Yeah, so I'll put your profile in the uh, show notes, and that'll be the the best place to find you there. Uh, the reselling teacher, yep, on Instagram, perfect, is a uh, is the best place to to get a hold of me. All right, yeah, 
get get to that phone call and we'll talk soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. All right, guys, I hope this episode added some value to your day. Don't forget to hit up the show notes to find his online arbitrage list. I think that's going to be spicy for you because he's giving you those leads. You're going to make that money back quickly. Anyway, boys and girls, I'm out. Until next time, be well and hope your sales are good.